Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you, I hope you are having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Wednesday, January 10th, and man, today is a great show. It's jam-packed. There are so many stories happening in the sports world. I cannot wait to share uh, everything going on today. I, I hope you guys know one of my favorite things in the entire world is when I can take a sports story and relate it to everyday life. It's my stick. That's my thing I do. I love you know, relating it to a, an ex-girlfriend or you know, a parent's divorce or something happening from middle school. Whatever it is, I love finding a way to compare sports stories to everyday life. And I, I have something for the national championship. Now, one of the problems with doing a show Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I, I can't do every day. I wish I could. I have too much on my plate with school and yada, yada. This is kind of my, my second job, my passion project. Someone already said this, and I'm going to say it anyways, because I really, I loved it. I thought it was a great comparison I made. Um, I, again, I love taking everyday life and relating it to sports. So I'm a huge fan of a company called Kind of Funny, uh, K-I-N-D-A Funny. They are podcasters, they're YouTubers, they're content creators. They make all kinds of content, and I, I love them. I've met them multiple times. They're, they have this incredible studio that I would, lo- I, would love to have a, I would love to have a studio like they have someday. I want to do what they do. I want to make content out of a, an office and share that with the world. It's my favorite thing in the world is recording this podcast. When they started their company, Kind of Funny, they quit their jobs. They had really great, well-paying jobs in San Francisco uh, with benefits and everything, and they left. They said, we're going to step out of our comfort zone, take a risk, and start this company. And now, years later, they are much more financially successful. They love what they do. They're in a better place. They're more successful than they were before. But to get there, they had to take a risk. And as I'm watching the college football playoff, All I could think about was the life lesson we can learn from this. And the life lesson is, not always, but often we have to take risks in order to win. Look at Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley, the head coach of Oklahoma, uh, made a decision late against Georgia on 4th and 1 to not go for it. He did not pull the trigger. He did not go for it on 4th and 1. He kicked a field goal. It didn't work out. He did not win the game. And look at who took a risk. So Lincoln Riley did not pull the trigger. He did not take the risk. Look at what Nick Saban did. Nick Saban took the biggest risk of all. Nick Saban, at halftime, in the national championship, took a quarterback out who only had two losses in his entire career. I believe he was 25-2. and And put in a true freshman quarterback who's 19 years old. 19, 18, I don't know. But that's, that's insanity. Nobody does that. Nobody takes out their starting quarterback who got them to the national championship last year, takes him out at halftime, puts in a a true freshman quarterback who's only played a couple snaps in his entire life in college. And that is what Nick Saban did. He rolled the dice and he was successful. You know, when you make a movie, you spend a hundred million dollars. You take a big financial risk, but movies like Star Wars and the Avengers make a ton of money, but they make their money back. And then some, you have to spend money to make money. You have to take a risk in order to succeed. There are exceptions to this rule, but that is the lesson I took away from the college football playoff. The guys who took the risk are the guys who won. And, and I just think that's really interesting. I love when I can come up with a comparison, talk about life, talk about sports. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Again, there are exceptions to the rule, but often, I mean, I, I moved to LA once. I got a job and I, I quit my job. And the same day I got the phone call, I left for LA. I got the job and now I'm here. I, I, st- I was nobody working at a car wash in production, got a job in LA, worked on a movie. Here I am now at Washington State making videos, trying to do my own thing instead of working for someone else. 
You have to take risks in order to succeed. Very, very rarely do people not win when they don't take risks. That 401k guy, the guy who, who invests in the future forever, it's not the same. You're not going to ever be the top of the mountain by saving your money and not ever taking risks. I just wanted to point that out. I thought that was very interesting about the college football playoff. Uh, we're going to talk a lot more about Alabama later down the road, like far later down the road. Uh, but there's a this is a fantastic show I've prepared for today. We have a lot of good stories to talk about. We're going to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo later down the road. Uh, we're going to talk about Matt Patricia. Uh, he might be the Patriots defensive coordinator. Uh, the Patriots defensive coordinator might be the next coach of the New York Giants. Uh, the Seahawks fired their offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel. And we're going to get to two things I was dead wrong about. Two things I, I, I admit I admit I was completely wrong about these two things. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire podcast on YouTube. You can also find my best, most interesting clips. That's my plan to grow. My growth plan is to put out small bites on YouTube, and then people will either share them or watch them and find my show that way. It's the discovery points. That's how I plan on building Strong Opinion Sports. Uh, you, please tell your friends about this show. I'm almost about to put the show on Google Play and Spotify. I know I've been promising that forever. It's a long process. It's a pain in the butt. Um, but tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. However you're watching or consuming this content, it's on the internet somewhere. Share the link. That is how I want to grow. I want to grow through the links, on the small parts on uh, the YouTube channel. And I want to grow through you guys telling your friends about this podcast. It was really exciting. I, uh, I had someone reach out to me from Brazil today. And it was like, what? It was so cool. They gave me encouragement. They said they love the show. Uh, you know who you are. It meant the world to me that you said that. And it was, it, it was so awesome. I really loved that. I want to talk about the biggest. So there's a lot of big stories today, but this is the one that just moved my soul. It was really important to me. It meant a lot to me. I thought it was, it's not the biggest story on Google, but it was the biggest story. If you ask me, it was the most impactful, interesting story of the day. When asked about it, Kirk Cousins said he would seriously consider playing for the Cleveland Browns. I love that. I love that for so many reasons. First of all, what do the Browns need? I mean, obviously the Browns need a quarterback. But beyond a quarterback, what do the Browns need uh, to build their franchise, to turn around their franchise and bring them back to, well, they never really were there, but to get them into a winning mindset and really reboot the franchise. What do the Browns need? The Browns need stability. And that, that is what Kirk Cousins would bring to the Cleveland Browns. Kirk Cousins would bring stability. Kirk Cousins, to be honest, is more stable than Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold, than any rookie quarterback. Kirk Cousins, you know what you're getting. You're getting a a B-plus level quarterback, a really good quarterback. I I say he's a second tier. That's how I I rate quarterbacks. There's a top tier guy who can get you to the Super Bowl no matter what. And Kirk Cousins is a guy that could win you a Super Bowl if you put good enough parts around him. I, I truly believe that. Uh, but Kirk Cousins is awesome. He really will. You know what you're getting with Kirk Cousins. He's a sure bet to be a guy who will play well and can win you games. And I think Kirk Cousins fits really well with Hugh Jackson, the Browns' uh, current head coach. He's a quarterback guy. He elevated every quarterback he's ever worked with in the best years of Andy Dalton, Carson Palmer, uh, Joe Flacco's early years of development. He is a quarterback guy. He gets quarterbacks. He understands quarterbacks. And I really think uh, Kirk uh, Hugh Jackson's knowledge mixed with Kirk Cousins' good attitude and hard work, that's a match made in heaven. I think they could do special things in Cleveland, which, again, feels weird to say. I don't. It's weird to say Cleveland has a chance to be good. It really is. But the other benefit of ha- signing Kirk Cousins, if the Browns can pull off 
a, a contract with Kirk Cousins. If the Browns can sign Kirk Cousins to a long-term deal, give him all the money he deserves and then some, and get a stable franchise quarterback, once they've locked down the quarterback position, they can turn their sights to building their franchise. Remember, they have two draft picks in the top four this year. They have the number two, one overall pick, and they have the number four overall pick from the Houston's uh, the Houston trade last year. They're sitting really pretty. They have a lot of good options. And if they can, instead of using one of those draft picks to get a quarterback, they could invest in some really talented players and bolster their roster. Maybe Saquon Barkley, maybe an offensive tackle, maybe two offensive tackles. I don't know. But I know that the Browns, could use a quarterback, and they could use a lot more than a quarterback. So if they can get Kirk Cousins squared away and already have a quarterback before the NFL draft, again, they can use their draft picks to invest in more and really build their franchise. I think, for many, many reasons, Kirk Cousins would fit really well with the Cleveland Browns. He's a good quarterback. You know what you're getting. He would work well with Hugh Jackson. And again, it would allow the Browns to use their their draft picks not just for a quarterback they don't have to draft a quarterback now now they can use their draft picks to pick players who can help build their franchise I love it I think he's he's a more of a sure bet we know what he is unlike Sam Darnold unlike Josh Rosen we know Kirk Cousins is a successful viable quarterback in the NFL I think Kirk Cousins works really well with the Cleveland Browns now if Kirk Cousins goes to the Browns I think it does there's a, a lot of interesting things that would happen because of that. It would result in a whole shift in the NFL. So if Kirk Cousins goes to the Browns, here's who gets Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. The Giants and the Broncos. The Giants have the number two overall pick. The Broncos have the fifth overall pick. Again, I prefer Sam Darnold. I would rather have Sam Darnold over Josh Rosen. And here's why. Again, I think I think Sam Darnold has a better attitude. I would rather work with him than a guy like Josh Rogan, who can be a or Josh Josh Rogan, Josh Rosen, a guy who's kind of a smart aleck at times. And I really think here's another problem that no one's talking about. In cold weather, it is incredibly hard to throw the football. And the weaker arm you have, the more difficult it is. I played quarterback in high school. Every game, every time I lost a playoff game, it's when I went from Western Washington to the Eastern Washington side, where it's a desert. There's a rain shadow effect. And there's ice and it's way colder temperatures. There's a ton of snow in eastern Washington. There's no snow in western Washington. I could throw over the ball forever in western Washington. When you go to the snowy cold side of Washington, I could never win a game because I had a, a weaker arm. I wasn't, wasn't a big, tall, strong-armed quarterback. Who has a better arm? Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold has a better arm than Josh Rosen. I think for cold weather teams like New York or the Broncos, for both teams in both situations, I would rather have Sam Darnold. Uh, but there's more to this, too. I think uh, John Elway and Josh Rosen's a better match. Josh Rosen's a, 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 a heady guy, a thoughtful guy. I think he could use, he would really strongly benefit from the presence of John Elway. Having John Elway around the Broncos would elevate Josh Rosen and help him as a pro, help him as a quarterback. And again, I think Sam Darnold fits better in New York where there's this incredibly tough media, a lot of tough questions asked. I think Sam Darnold's personality works better in New York, and I think Josh Rosen needs uh, the influence of John Elway. That's that's not ideal. I think, honestly, it'd be better for either team. I think Josh Rosen's ready to play sooner, so he might go first. But if, if, I'm, if I'm creating a dream scenario where the best matchups work, I think Sam Darnold's a better match in New York, and Josh Rosen is a better match with the Broncos. And, and I do think Darnold would help build the Giants. I think Darnold has, if I'm going to build something, I'd rather build something with a guy who has an attitude like Sam Darnold than a guy who has an attitude like Josh Rosen. Now, another big rumor today is that Matt Patricia, the current Patriots defensive coordinator, 
uh, is rumored to be the next Giants head coach. I like this, kind of. Um, you know, Matt Patricio has been groomed by Bill Belichick for years. And Bill Belichick gets defense. And, and Matt Patricio is a great defensive coach. But that doesn't mean, just because he's been around Bill Belichick, doesn't mean he has the Bill Belichick magic. Uh, but I like it. it it's, it's a good hire. It's a good, not great hire. But here's, here's another thing that really bothers me. There are two big red flags when you tell me you want to hire Matt Patricia to be the next head coach of the New York Giants. Uh, the first one is, is kind of fluffy and silly. Uh, he's shown immaturity in the past. After the Patriots won the Super Bowl, Matt Patricia wore a Roger Goodell clown shirt, which I don't blame him. I mean, Roger Goodell appeared to kind of, he worked against the Patriots. If you look at it that way, I can get, I can understand Matt Patricia's perspective. However, wearing a clown shirt, that's not what a head coach does. You don't see Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, uh, even Matt McCarthy, Mike Tomlin. None of those guys would do something like that. So that is something I think is kind of weird. I don't think a head coach in the NFL would do something like wear that Roger Goodell clown shirt. But here's a a more valid and a bigger red flag to me. Matt Patricia is a defensive coach. A defensive-minded head coach. We've seen this in the past. It doesn't really work to have a defensive-minded head coach and a young quarterback. Jared Goff with Jeff Fisher didn't work. John Fox with Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago uh, didn't work. John Fox got fired. If you're going to have Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen, I would want an offensive-minded head coach. Now, another interesting tidbit about Matt Patricia, if he's hired as the Giants head coach, we could potentially learn something. We could potentially learn two things, actually. If you're me, if I'm a guy who's worked with Bill Belichick, I know how Bill Belichick operates. I've learned he's got kind of a no BS style. This could tell me potentially that Josh Rosen is not going to New York. A guy like Bill Belichick would not mess with a guy like Josh Rogan's per- Josh Rosen's personality. But it's even more likely if Matt Patricia becomes the head coach of the New York Giants, that tells me because they're hiring a defensive-minded head coach, they're not planning on drafting a young rookie quarterback. Because again, we've seen rookie quarterbacks and defensive-minded head coaches do not work well together. That tells me the Giants are actually committed to Eli Manning, which is absurd. If that's true, if the Giants are hunkering down and buying and they're all in on Eli Manning, that's a huge, huge mistake. What have we criticized the Patriots for? All for like for the last since Jimmy Garoppolo is traded, what has been the, the repeated theme that we have criticized the Patriots for doing? We've criticized the Patriots for instead of making a long-term plan, instead of investing in their future with Jimmy Garoppolo, the Patriots chose the older quarterback without the long-term plan. So if you're committing, so and that's, that's what Tom Brady, I've criticized the Patriots for committing to short-term with Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. If you're going to tell me the Giants are going to do that with Eli Manning, who's not even remotely the best quarterback of all time, who's, who's mediocre right now, who's not a great quarterback, who hasn't played well recently, you're going to commit to him short-term and give up your number two overall pick and not pick one of the franchise, what appear to be franchise quarterbacks in this year's NFL draft. That would be a terrible, terrible mistake if the Giants waste the number two overall pick and do not pick Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen and commit to Eli Manning instead. That would be a huge mistake, and that would appear to be what's going on 
if the Giants hire Matt Patricia, because again, defensive-minded head coaches do not work well with young quarterbacks. It does not. It does not work. There are a few exceptions. Again, you know, Joe Flacco worked with the Ravens, but for the most part, if you're a defensive-minded head coach, you do not work well with young quarterbacks. That's just my thing. I think I think defensive-minded head coaches don't understand how quarterbacks work quite as well. They understand how to stop a quarterback, but they've never been in the head of a quarterback. They don't understand what it takes to play quarterback. It's it's a really tough mental position, and I don't think defensive-minded head coaches work well with rookie quarterbacks. Okay, so if I if if you took your friend camping, if you took your friend camping and they complained about sleeping in a tent, that'd be ridiculous, right? You would laugh at them if they're like, I have to sleep on in a tent? In a sleeping bag? You want me to go, you, you took me camping and you expect me to sleep on the ground? You'd laugh. It'd be pretty ridiculous, right? Because that's the expectation. When you go camping, it's pretty much expected. You sleep in a tent, you sleep on the ground in a sleeping bag. That's the expectations when you go camping. Recently, LeVar Ball has been mouthing off and for some reason... For some reason, everybody is outraged and everybody is shocked. The Lakers are angry. The Lakers are like, LeVar Ball, how could you do that? They're trying to shut him up. They're, you know, Luke Walton saying this and other people are saying that. Guys, what did you expect? If you live in Miami, you expect to deal with hurricanes. And if you draft Lonzo Ball, you expect to deal with the dad. You expect LeVar Ball, Lonzo Ball's dad to say dumb, ridiculous, outlandish things. Not to mention, by the way, I, I, I want to point out, LeVar Ball's somewhat right. There is a lot of turmoil with the Lakers. He's not saying anything that's actually that ridiculous. He's kind of just pointing out the facts. Uh, but, but again, I, I want to point out, I would, if my friends, I, I would not critique my friends' video production skills unless they asked for it. And it doesn't seem like anybody with the Lakers organization <laughs> asked for LeVar Ball's opinion. But you expect it, right? You expect LeVar Ball to mouth off. You expect LeVar Ball to say outlandish things. I understand where the Lakers are coming from somewhat. Like, no, it's like, nobody asked you, LeVar Ball. Nobody cares what you think about our head coach. But at the same time, what are the Lakers thinking? The Lakers drafted Lonzo Ball. And Lonzo Ball comes with the crazy outlandish dad. That is the expectation. When you go camping. You expect to sleep in a tent. When you live in Miami, you expect to deal with hurricanes. And when you draft Lonzo Ball, you expect to deal with an outrageous, outlandish father. So, so make, you made the decision. You chose Lonzo Ball. You have to deal with the consequences. The Lakers, for some reason, seem unable to deal with the consequences of their decision to draft Lonzo Ball. If you couldn't handle it, you shouldn't have made the decision. I have, I have no, I, I do not feel sorry for the Lakers one bit. They made their decision. And again, I, I like LeVar Paul. I don't love him. I, I wouldn't really, uh, I don't know that I'd want him being one of the dads on the team I coached. But I do know this. I expected this. We all expected this. We all expected LeVar Ball to mouth off and be crazy. And the fact that Lakers are outraged and frustrated, it's like, guys, of course he's outrageous and outlandish. That is what LeVar Ball is. Ignore him. If you don't like it, don't listen to him. But again, that's what LeVar Ball is. You can't be mad at him for being himself. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying I like it. I'm not saying I would do that. We got to accept that's just what LeVar Ball is. And the Lakers need to deal with the consequences of their decision of drafting Lonzo Ball. 
I'm going to take a short break. Uh, when I return, I love statistics. Uh, not really. I'm not a big stats guy. Uh, because I do not believe statistics always tell the complete story. I'm going to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. And there are two things I have completely gotten wrong. There's a lot of that. And that and then some. There's a lot more coming up. My name is Zach Schellmer. Subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. There's a link. You're watching somehow. Share it with your friends on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, face-to-face, whatever it is. If you like Strong Opinion Sports, tell your friends about this show. All right, my name is Zach Schellmer. I'll be right back. All right, I'm back. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. If you're a fan of this show, you know I'm not much of a stats guy. I'm not a big fan of statistics. In fact, I use statistics as little as I have to. Uh, Stats are a good tool. Stats are not terrible. I just think stats are not the end-all, be-all. You know, I, I think stats don't often tell a complete story. They're just a small part of a bigger picture. In fact, I think stats, I've seen people do this. Stats are very easy to manipulate. You can you know, leave certain things out or include certain things that make your opinion look better. You can use stats and frame them to fit many different arguments. In fact, you could use the exact same statistics, the exact same numbers, and use them to make an argument for one thing or an argument on the other side of the same exact thing. So when people use stats, for me, it forces my hand. I use stats as well. Um, but I think stats often, we give them too much value. We put a little too much worth in statistics. Now, recently, people have been talking about Jimmy Garoppolo's stats from the end of last season and comparing them to other players and saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is overrated. <laughs> that, that's, that's preposterous. First of all, Jimmy Garoppolo is not overrated. Remember, stats do not tell the entire story. I'm going to leave stats out of this one, for example. You cannot just look at Statistics. Did you see what happened at the end of the season in San Francisco? Jimmy Garoppolo, here's what happened with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo made bad receivers great. Suddenly bad receivers or average receivers were playing fantastic, making great catches, doing things all over the field. But it wasn't just what Jimmy Garoppolo did as the quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo elevated, inspired everybody around him. The defense was playing better. People were excited. The stands were excited. Jimmy Garoppolo ignited a fire that lit up and lifted the entire 49ers franchise. Jimmy Garoppolo, that, that's, what, that's what drives me nuts. When people talk about just his statistics, this will be a short segment. They talk about how Jimmy Garoppolo is overrated. They compare his stats to this guy and that guy. And what they, don't, what they forget is that there's a bigger picture at work. Jimmy Garoppolo did not just elevate the 49ers quarterback play. Jimmy Garoppolo lifted and inspired an entire franchise and got them out of the depths of hell. Remember where the 49ers were before they got Jimmy Garoppolo. Think of now the mindset. Think of now the excitement around San Francisco, how the Bay Area is so excited about Jimmy Garoppolo and everybody believes in the 49ers. That is what Jimmy Garoppolo did. Jimmy Garoppolo did not just make them the 49ers better statistically. He didn't just elevate the quarterback play of the 49ers. He gave the 49ers hope. You can't undervalue the power of hope. The 49ers think they have a better chance. In fact, the 49ers were quoted. Their running back, Carlos Hyde, was quoted. If we restart the season right now, we might have a chance to win the Super Bowl. That is how confident the 49ers are after receiving Jimmy Garoppolo. You can call Jimmy Garoppolo overrated all you want. If you do, I, I frankly, I think you're an idiot if you think Jimmy Garoppolo is overrated. He deserves a huge contract, a huge long-term contract, Because he's, again, not just a great quarterback statistically. 
He gives you things on and off the field that elevate your franchise. He's a culture changer. Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers are a great match, and the 49ers are much better because they have Jimmy Garoppolo. He is not overrated in the slightest. In fact, I think he's one of, he might even be a top-tier quarterback. The 49ers might compete for a Super Bowl next year, and that is solely because of the addition of Jimmy Garoppolo. (laughs) When When I read that, I can't remember where I read that article. It was just like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? You think Jimmy Garoppolo is overrated? You think we're a little bit too excited? I just thought that was completely wrong. You look at what Jimmy Garoppolo did, and it's like, man, that's that's absurd. I throw a lot of opinions out every single day. I mean, I, I make videos. I make like, I don't know, like 100 videos a week. It's, it's absurd, really, how many videos I put out on YouTube every single day. Uh, I'm not always going to be right. I've accepted that. That's how it is. When you shoot 100 shots, you miss a bunch of them. That's just, that's life. What's, what's, a, what's a good Major League Baseball shooting percentage? You know, like, 30 out of 100 30 out of 100 that's that's terrible really that's honestly that's terrible I think I'm doing better than that but that's not my goal my goal is not to be right I make a ton of predictions all the time my goal is to be interesting I want to be authentic I want to say I want to call it like I see it if I believe this if I believe that I'm not afraid to say it and I want to be interesting I want to make interesting conversations I want to have interesting conversations because to me if you ask me having the debate you know, is he a good hire? Is this a good decision? Will this team win? That's the interesting part. Not the part where you get it right or wrong. Right or wrong doesn't matter. It's about being interesting. But I will admit, I have to admit when I'm wrong. I think it's important. When you get something clearly wrong, I will admit it. I, I have no fear. I have no problem. I get things wrong all the time. I want to start where I was really wrong about something. I want to start with Jim Caldwell. I was wrong about Jim Caldwell. The Lions fired their head coach at the end of the last year's season, Jim Caldwell. And, and I, most for the most part, I supported the Lions. Um, I, I felt like, you know, the Lions had a pretty valid reason for firing Jim Caldwell. You know, Aaron Rodgers got hurt this season, and the Lions didn't even make a playoff push. I, I thought, you know, the, the king of the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers, were done because they lost Aaron Rodgers. And the Vikings were fantastic. The Vikings are one of the better teams in the NFL. But the Lions weren't even in the hunt. They weren't even in the playoff picture at the end of the year. That's, that doesn't work. You know, I, I felt like, at the time, I felt like Jim Caldwell didn't deliver when he needed to. But looking back, I was completely wrong. I was wrong for supporting the Lions uh, for firing Jim Caldwell. Here's why. First of all, Jim Caldwell, looking back at the last, he's coached, he coached the Lions for four years. He made the playoffs two of the four years he coached in Detroit. And again, this is the Lions. This is not the New England Patriots. This is not the San Antonio Spurs. This is not the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide. The ungrateful Lions fired their head coach after he made the playoffs two of the last four years and the only four years he coached in Detroit. But here's what really changed my mind. You know, I think the Lions are ungrateful. I think, you know, they've had horrible, horrible years and years of being awful, being, you know, the Cle- almost borderline Cleveland Browns-ish. And they finally got a coach who made him, made the playoffs and kind of swung their franchise in an upward trend. And they, they got rid of him. But here's, here's what really changed my mind about this firing. Here's why I, I, I completely do not support the Lions firing Jim Caldwell. Who are you going to replace Jim Caldwell with? What's your plan? What are you going to do next? Oh, you don't have a plan. <laughs> you, you have no plan. You have no, you have no idea who you're going to hire next. 
If you don't upgrade at coach, it's a bad move. If you don't upgrade in life, it's a bad move. I, I, my brother, he works at Taco Bell. And he, he makes tips. He's, he likes his manager. It's a good move. If you were to talk to me about moving to McDonald's, I would say that's a terrible decision. You have no idea what you're getting in a manager. You're not going to get tips. You're going to, you don't like it. You don't like this job either way. At least take the job where you have good management and you make tips. He's moving, not only is he moving laterally, he'd be moving down. If you're not upgrading, it's a, it's a bad decision. So I, I think the only, like, there's not a lot of good coaches in the NFL. There really aren't. There's not a lot of great coaching candidates out there. Like John Gruden and uh, Josh McDaniels. Maybe, like, maybe if the Lions were able to hire Josh McDaniel, then maybe. Maybe. Not, not certainly. I mean, he failed with the Broncos. But maybe. Maybe Josh McDaniels is an improvement from Jim Caldwell in Detroit. But that's, that's not a big, that's not much. Yeah, that's why I'm fine. When people say they need to fire Jason Garrett with the Cowboys, I say, well, who are you going to replace him with? What's your plan? Lions have no plan. Right now, here's what the Detroit Lions have. The Detroit Lions have no coach, and they have no plan to replace him. They have no idea what's next for the Lions. They got rid of a, a B-plus guy. The Detroit Lions fired a guy who was pretty good. Not, not incredible, not an elite coach, but a good coach. A guy that made the playoffs two of the four years he was there. Again, with the Detroit Lions. Lions are a mess. The Lions were a mess for years and years and years. And this ungrateful owner fired Jim Caldwell. (laughs) I I do not support, after thinking about it, I do not support the Detroit Lions firing Jim Caldwell. The Lions made, the Lions absolutely made a mistake firing Jim Caldwell. I got to give a shout out to the guy on YouTube. Uh, I, I recently on on the podcast, at least on the YouTube channel, I've been getting horrible, mean comments. It's been awful. I'm getting trolled. It's it's not fun, you know. I really, I've pretty much given up for all intents and purposes. I've given up completely on YouTube comments. I, I'm super busy, and if people are gonna be mean assholes, I just I'm not gonna respond. I'm not gonna even look at them. I just don't have time. I have so, only so many so much time for everything going on in the world. I don't have time for everything. But one guy on the Detroit, he, he mentioned he he wanted the Detroit Lions Jim Caldwell video. I said, yeah, I'll make that. Sure. I made the Jim Caldwell video. And then he, he disagreed with me very respectfully. And he said, you know, he pointed out why I was wrong. And I was like, hey, actually, dude, you're right. I, I'm You're right. I'm wrong. And he, he changed my mind. So I wanted to, I don't remember his name on YouTube. It's some yada yada. He, I want to give him credit though. This guy on YouTube uh, challenged my opinion. He, he made a great point, and I was wrong. He was right. Um, so I, you got to admit when you're wrong. I was wrong. Thank you to that guy who pointed out. Uh, it was awesome. You know, there are some people on YouTube who are great. Like they, There's a lady in Brazil who supports me. She's awesome. People on YouTube often are really nice. And for a long time, uh, in the infancy of this show, we've had just pretty much only positive comments. And recently, it's been a lot of – I mean, I got a death threat the other day. I deleted that. Uh, I've gotten some really bad comments and I've pretty much just given up on the comments and I'm sad about it. I wish I could. I wish it was something worth my time, uh, but but it's, it's really not. I just I only have so much time in a day. I'm not going to go back and wa- read every comment anymore. I, I would love to. I want to find a solution where I can because I, I think you guys have a, a clearly good things to say in the fun debates. Um, so I want to find a solution. I'm working on it. I'm not sure what's next uh, for that way. I want I want to engage with people that love the show. But I want to only engage with people who love the show. So I'm not sure best yet what the best course of action is. Um, but I am considering uh, Patreon. Patreon's a, a – uh, we'll get into it. I, I have a plan. That could be a solution down the road. I want to talk now – I mentioned it was not just one mistake. I made two 
pretty big mistakes this NFL season, and I wanted to acknowledge them. This is now the second mistake. I can't remember my exact words, um, but I, I was dead wrong about it. I basically said that the top three coaches in the NFL are Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, and Pete Carroll. <sighs> Man, I, uh, I, I love Andy Reid. <laughs> I love Andy Reid. I think he's great with quarterbacks. I'm rooting for him. I think he's a great... He's done a lot of good stuff in his career. But let me tell you some facts. Andy Reid has never won a Super Bowl. He's never won a Super Bowl. And in all the years he's coached, he's never been able to make that happen. And Andy Reid was at the helm with two major collapses this season. They started... The Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs started the season 5-0. and they slid all the way down to six and six. They had a, they just fell off the face of the earth. The this incredible roster, the best roster in the NFL, and you finished ten and six. That's it. So that, that's the first major collapse the Chiefs suffered this year. And then the second uh, collapse was you're leading the Tennessee Titans twenty-one to three at halftime, and you lose the football game. The Tennessee Titans, Marcus Mariota, not legends. Not incredible great players. I mean, Marcus Mariota, to his credit, he's not awful. But he's not Tom Brady. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Big Ben. He's not even Derek Carr. So I don't. I just look at what happened. I look at the two collapses, going 5-0, and having that terrible collapse, ending up 10-6. and You were at 6-6 six at six in one point. Uh, and then losing to the Titans. After leading 21-3 at halftime, you can't score a single point in the second half. And you lose 22-21. Bill Belichick doesn't do that. Pete Carroll, even Tom, Mike Tomlin, even the Steelers coach Mike Tomlin wouldn't have two collapses like that in one season. So Andy Reid, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Andy Reid. I like Andy Reid. He's done a lot of good stuff in his career. He's a great offensive-minded coach. I, I love his play designs are so creative and interesting. I, I think he's, I mean, I wouldn't be disappointed if he was my head coach. He revived Michael Vick. He's won more games than any coach in the NFL that's active, not named Bill Belichick. He's better than most. But I have to acknowledge, Andy Reid is not an elite coach. He's not the cream of the crop. He's not, as much as I love him, as much as I think he's a good coach, I wouldn't be terribly disappointed if my team had him. He's not the cream of the crop. Andy Reid is not an elite coach. He's not in that top tier level with the best coaches in the NFL. He's just simply not. You look at it, what he's done, and I got to acknowledge, he's not up there with the best coaches in all of the NFL. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, coming up next, I'm going to talk a lot about Nick Saban. Well, I'm going to briefly talk about Nick Saban. I'm going to briefly talk about Jalen Hurts. We're going to talk about Daryl Bevel. Daryl Bevel was fired by the Seattle Seahawks today, my favorite football team. Was it justified? Did Daryl Bevel deserve to be fired? And Carson Palmer. (laughs) Carson Palmer, some people have recently claimed, uh, Colin Coward in particular, a guy I love, claimed that Carson Palmer should be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Does he deserve it? Ah, We'll talk about that next. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. It's coming to Spotify and Google Play very soon. It's it's a long, arduous process. I don't know if that's the right word. It's a long process. It's a a pain in the butt. So that's coming soon. You can find the entire hour-long podcast on YouTube. You can also find shorter clips, my best, most interesting clips on YouTube, about, you know, four to five-minute segments Share Strong Opinion Sports with your friends. Tell your friends about this show. You're watching it somehow. You're watching it. You're listening to it. However you're observing and, and t- 
taking in this show. Share it with your friends on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, whatever it is. Tell your friends about Strong. In fact, if someone could put it on Reddit, I don't understand Reddit at all. If you're listening to this podcast and you understand how Reddit works, please, for the love of God, please help me. Can you please put the show on Reddit? Because I don't understand how to do that. I'm terrible with, I, I hate social media, actually. I'm, I'm awful with it. I'm going to hire some, like, that's like my second hire. If I start my own company, I'm hiring a social media person, like the second thing, because I, I, I just hate social media. I'm not good with it. Share strong opinion sports with your friends. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I'll be right back. All right, I'm back. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Two things uh, interesting from my day today. Uh, I've come to the conclusion I think something's wrong with my throat. Uh, my throat has not felt great, not felt 100% ever since I got a throat infection in August. I think something might be wrong with my throat. But the other observation I made, I guess what I found out today. Guess what I found out? I found out that Q-tips are not made for your ears. Like, you're not supposed to put Q-tips in your ears. My whole life is a lie. What does that mean? I, I, I just, I, uh, I think that's pretty weird. I, don't under, I didn't know that. Someone pointed out. And it's, on, it's literally on the box. The box says, not made for your inner ear. I'm like, oh, oh, goodness. What are you supposed to do? I mean, that's, I use a Q-tip every day. Am I ruining my ears? I don't know. I, just, I thought that was interesting. I wanted to point that out. Um, you know, I know a lot of people who have had some success and they relax, they slow down, they, they get, the word is complacent, they relax, they, they don't have, they lack motivation. They may, at first they have all these lofty goals, they talk about, I want to do this, I want to do that. And then they get a job, like they're a dental assistant, and they settle. You know, before they were talked about how, I want to have my own practice, and I'm going to have clients, and this, and that. And then they got a good enough job, and they settled. They were successful enough, and they stopped working harder for more. So my question is, what in the world drives Nick Saban? Nick Saban is an anomaly. Nick Saban's unbelievable. Six national championships, no end in sight. He has no, uh, there's not even a hint of him slowing down. Nick Saban's a a freak of nature. It's unbelievable. I I hope in my own life, uh, if if I ever have enough success, that I I am similar to that. I never stop working. I hope I never get complacent in my life. Uh, Very similar to what Nick Saban has done. I look at what Nick Saban has done, and it is so impressive. The dude doesn't let up. Nick Saban has had his his foot on the gas pedal for 28 years. He started coaching in 1990. He was a head coach of Toledo football. What? That's unbelievable. By the way, you may not know this. Nick Saban is one year older than Bill Belichick. Would you think that by watching them on the sideline? No, you wouldn't. I mean, Nick Saban's running around like an 18-year-old kid. The dude loves it. He's, he's so in love with his job. I, I just, I, I, you know, tip my cap. You're the best. Nick Saban's the best coach of all time in all of college football. And I will never cease to be impressed with Nick Saban. I just wanted to point that out. He, he's the best coach ever, and he just keeps grinding. He just keeps going. It's like, man, you're an energizer bunny. I don't under. I mean, I, I get it. I don't sleep either, but man, like, my goodness. I just wanted to appreciate Nick Saban. It's pretty unbelievable what he has been able to accomplish. I also want to appreciate Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, uh, for two seasons, was the starting quarterback uh, for the Alabama Crimson Tide. He, he took him to the national championship last year as a freshman. Uh, they didn't win. He lost to Clemson. And this year, he took him back to the national championship, and he got benched at halftime after, I, I, think, I, believe, I believe he's 25-2 and two as, I mean, I should know that. I'm sorry I don't. But I believe he's 25-2 and two as a starting quarterback. That's, 
I mean, first of all, that's impressive. That's incredible to go have that good a record in college. But then when you get benched at halftime in the national championship, the way Jalen Hurts dealt with it was unbelievable. I, 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 he's a better man than me. If I got benched, you know, I never, I don't even want to see my backup quarterback do well in practice. I, I, I hate it. I, I, I'm selfish. I want to do well. I want the spotlight on me. Clearly, I mean, look at me. I, I wanted to play quarterback. I wanted to be the starting quarterback. And Jalen Hurts, when Tua Tagvailoa got put in the game, and not only put in the game, he started doing incredible. Jalen Hurts was authentically excited for Tua Tagvailoa. That's. I just, I, I can't believe that. I was, I was incredibly impressed. Do you know how hard it is to watch someone replace you and not only act gracious, not only say the right things in front of the camera, but it was authentic. He was legitimately excited. Every time Tua ran over to the sideline, Jalen Hurts was the first person there meeting him at the sideline. That's, that's incredible. I just, I, I, I wanted to, I marveled at that. I, I've watched the game twice now because I'm a fucking nerd. I just, it's what I do. Sorry, I said the F word, my bad. I, I just, it was, um, it was unbelievable. I, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom it. He, he really was. And after the, after the game, he said he was just happy to win. He was excited for Tua. And he was, he didn't seem fake either. Like he authentically felt that way. I just thought that was incredible. You know, my next question is, should Jalen Hurts transfer from Alabama? Should he stay at Alabama? He, he now appears to have been benched by, I mean, Tua Tagvailoa. He's the man. He's, he's the starting quarterback, in my opinion, for the next couple of years. What do you do with Jay? If you're Jalen Hurts, what do you do? I mean, you, you I would want to play. I, I transferred schools in high school, actually, because they picked another guy. And I said, I'm, you know, I'm selfish. I want to play quarterback. I went to another school. I set a bunch of records, by the way. And I just, I wanted to play quarterback. And, and Jalen Hurts was incredibly happy for Tua Tech. And it was authentic. It was real. It was crazy. Jalen Hurts and I are very different people. It's interesting. If you're Jalen Hurts, you have to ask the question, do you want to win or do you want to play? Do you want to play a ton? Do you want to be a starting quarterback or do you want to win a lot of games? I mean, that's, that's really the dilemma Jalen Hurts has to deal with. He could stay at Alabama. He could stay at Alabama. He probably, if, if Nick, if Jalen Hurts stays at Alabama, he probably wins another national championship. Not necessarily as a starting quarterback, but let's be honest. I mean, Jalen Hurts, he's not going to be an NFL quarterback. Jalen Hurts is not an NFL quarterback kind of guy. And who knows? I mean, maybe. Maybe Tua Tagvailoa gets hurt, and then he's thrust back in the spotlight. We saw this with JT Barrett. We saw this with, uh, what's his name, Cardell Jones back in the day. I mean, maybe maybe he's just the right guy to be a good backup when you're ready. And again, backup quarterback at Alabama, not a bad gig. Not a bad gig at all. And let's be honest, I mean, is he really a super desirable recruit? If Jalen Hurts wants to transfer, does anybody want him? Does anybody want Jalen Hurts to be their starting quarterback? It's not like Shea Patterson or, you know, Jacob Eason, the backup quarterback at Georgia's transferring. Seems like a great quarterback, right? Uh, Jalen Hurts, he's fine. He's not like an all, he's not a huge, incredible quarterback. And if like your options are Eastern Washington or Alabama, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. Do you, do you go? Do you stay? I mean, I would want to play, but Jalen Hurts loves, he clearly just loves winning. I think it's interesting. You can make a strong argument either way. Should he go? Should he stay at Alabama? I don't know. But I think it's interesting that 
you can I, I can step back and see Jalen Hurts making both decisions. I have no idea what he's going to do. I, I just think it's really fascinating. I'm excited to see what Jalen Hurts does eventually do. Does he stay at Alabama? Does he fight for his job? If he loses the job, does he continue to just hang in there, be with Tua, and work really hard to, to win? I, I don't know. I, I do know that if he stays at Alabama, oh, I mean, Alabama has Tua Tagvailoa, who seems to be an incredible quarterback. And if Tua ever gets hurt, they just reload. They got Jalen Hurts. They're fine. So, I don't know. I think, honestly, the it, it, I don't know. I would want to play. But maybe Jalen Hurts might stay at Alabama. Backup quarterback, great gig. You're there all the time. You're going to probably win another national championship. Not the worst gig in the world. Not the worst gig in the world. I just think it's interesting. I think Jalen Hurts has a lot of interesting decisions to make. <sighs> Man, I, uh, I'm going to miss. I'm going to really miss football. I love I love this so much. I love I love talking about football. I love the regular season. I love when football ends. We can talk about who's hired, who's fired. I, I just I just love this so much. Today, the Seattle Seahawks fired their offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel, and the Seahawks also fired their offensive line coach, Tom Cable. I don't know. I uh, I want to argue for at first. I want to argue for Tom Cable. Tom Cable, the offensive line coach. I mean, you can't expect to win a race when you're driving a Corolla racing a Ferrari, right? I mean, it's just, it's unfair. When you're not given the tools to succeed, mm, can you really get mad about that? Now, you can also argue, though, that Tom Cable, even though he wasn't given great offensive linemen to work with, he also failed to develop young, young offensive linemen. He was given a lot of young talent, quote, you know, in quotation marks, a lot of young guys, and he failed to develop them into awesome Offensive lineman. So, I mean, I see both perspectives with with Tom Cable. Some of this should go, though. The John Snyder is the general manager for the Seattle Seahawks. Some of this, some of the blame for the Seattle Seahawks' lack of success this season needs to go on John Snyder. And I think John Snyder's doing one of these moves where he's like, it's not my fault, it's him. He did it. I don't know. So I think John Snyder needs to take some of the responsibility. He doesn't want to take the fall. He doesn't want to own up to the fact that the Seattle Seahawks do not have great personnel on offense, don't have great personnel on the offensive line, and you're, fa- you're firing the offensive line coach, you're firing the offensive coordinator, and not really taking any of the blame on yourself. Now, Daryl Bevel's another story. I, I understand defending Tom Cable. I think you know you can make an argument either way. Daryl Bevel is a different story altogether. <laughs> I... Uh, I'm pretty indifferent when it comes to Daryl Bevel. I'm a Seahawks fan, and as a Seahawks fan, I, I, I want my team to do well, and I will never forget the play that Daryl Bevel called on the goal line against the New England Patriots. He called a pass instead of running the ball with Marshawn Lynch, at the time the best running back in the NFL, and we lost the game. We threw an interception. We lost the game. Now Russell Wilson threw the pass, but Daryl Bevel made the decision not to hand the rock to Marshawn Lynch. And by the way, look up Marshawn Lynch the league. <laughs> he says, uh, hey, throw me the beer or something like that. It, it's a really funny sketch. Look it up. It's it's hilarious. I believe it's called The League. Look it up on YouTube. Jimmy, Gar- Jimmy uh, Marshall Lynch, The League. It's really funny. But even even without that, even without that moment where Daryl Bevel appeared to, to lose the Seahawks a Super Bowl. I mean, I, I, I didn't like the way Daryl Bevel used Jimmy Garoppolo this year, or Jimmy Graham this year. Jimmy Graham's their awesome tight end the Seahawks have. And I didn't think he took enough advantage of 
Jimmy Graham as a matchup problem. The way the Saints used Jimmy Graham was they put him outside often. They used him as a mismatch. People could not guard Jimmy Graham one-on-one, and they put him in situations where he used his ability as a mismatch against linebackers and against smaller guys, and he won the mismatch all the time with the Saints. And I felt like the formations that the formations and the play calling didn't use Jimmy Graham enough uh, to create mismatches. I thought you could have used him better. They did well on the goal line, but the rest of the field, I felt like, why don't you put him on an island? Nobody can guard this guy one-on-one. Force the defense to make a decision. I thought they didn't do that well enough. Uh, but again, again, John Snyder, the general manager, failed to give the Seahawks the personnel they needed. In some ways, John Snyder's to blame for the Seahawks' lack of success. You know, you can blame other people for all this stuff. You can blame Tom Cable. You can blame John. You can blame whatever his name, Daryl Bevel. But the truth is, he failed. John Snyder failed to get John Snyder, the general manager of the Seahawks, failed to bring in great offensive weapons. And it's hard to win a race. Again, when you're driving a Corolla, it's hard to beat a Ferrari in a race. Daryl Bevel wasn't an awful coach. He wasn't a great coach. I'm a Seahawks fan. A lot of people hate Daryl Bevel and will always hate Daryl Bevel for his decision to throw the ball on the goal line against the England Patriots. I can take a step back. I can remove my emotions from this decision. He's not an awful coach. He's not an elite coach. Daryl Bevel wasn't an incredible coach, but he wasn't awful. And he wasn't given the support he necessarily needed. He wasn't given great tools to work with in Seattle. They have a terrible offensive line. They don't have great, they have unremarkable wide receivers. They don't have a lot of weapons. Running back by committee, and you fire the offensive coordinator when you didn't give him the tools to succeed. I don't know. No matter how you shake it out, I see a lot more changes coming in Seattle. Uh, I think they need to trade their older defensive players for offensive weapons. All right. Um, I have two more stories left. I'm going to talk about uh, Clay, Travis Clay, Tracy Clays. I'm going to talk about Carson Palmer. I'm going to start with Carson Palmer. I, I actually, I don't have notes for this. I just, I'm going to spitball it. Carson Palmer, in my opinion, is not a Hall of Fame quarterback. I think it's, a, I think it's very easy. I think it's a very simple decision. When you tell the NFL's story, when you talk about people who left their mark on the NFL, you can leave out Carson Palmer. Like, if you want a Super Bowl, that's one thing. That's your way. Maybe you were, like, maybe Eli Manning's not an incredible quarterback who left a giant mark on the NFL, but he won two huge Super Bowls. He beat the undefeated New England Patriots. He has two Super Bowls. You can make an argument. Eli Manning's a Hall of Fame co- quarterback. But if you didn't win a Super Bowl, you have to leave your mark. You have to do something memorable. Do something remarkable. Leave your mark on the NFL. Chris Carter. He left his mark on the NFL. Dan Fouts, Dan Marino, those guys left their mark on the NFL. What did Carson Palmer do? I mean, I, I, legitimately, I'm asking, what do you remember Carson Palmer doing? He never made it to a Super Bowl, never lost a Super Bowl, doesn't have a big win. He played with his, his most interesting moments were playing with Chad Ochocinco. Carson Palmer seems like a great dude. I'm not, I'm not meaning to trash him. He's a great quarterback. He was, he was a good quarterback for many, many years doesn't make him a Hall of Fame quarterback. Well, he did nothing remarkable. He did nothing outstanding that I remember. I don't remember his career. What did he do? I'm, I'm legitimately asking, what did Carson Palmer do 
that deserves a spot in the Hall of Fame. I don't know. Kurt Warner did. Kurt Warner got to two Super Bowls. He, he was a, not a, an incredibly great player, but he won a Super Bowl. He did something remarkable. He's that guy who went from bagging groceries to playing in the Super Bowl. That's remarkable. That's something you left behind. Carson Palmer doesn't have a moment like that. Colin Coward, my favorite radio host, argued that Carson Palmer was a Hall of Fame quarterback. I didn't hear the argument. I just saw his post on Instagram. I don't know what he said, but I know this. There's nothing remarkable about Carson Palmer. There's nothing incredibly memorable or outstanding, and he didn't win a Super Bowl. And if you haven't either won a Super Bowl or multiple Super Bowls or done something like Dan Marino left his mark, we're talking about Dan Marino for years and years to come. We're not going to talk about Carson Palmer in 20 years. We're not going to look back and go, oh, Carson Palmer. He's not, not incredible. Like the, 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 the bar has risen. Statistically, the bar, is, the bar has risen in the NFL. I saw an article today. It was talking about how, you know, what's an average, an average quarterback today in today's NFL would have been a Hall of Fame outstanding quarterback. Like Derek Carr, average NFL quarterback. If Derek Carr played 20 years ago with the stats he has now, he's like the top of the league. The NFL has changed. So you can say maybe, I don't know what the argument again Colin Coward made was, but you can argue, you know, Carson Palmer's stats are great at all time. But he played in a different NFL than other guys did. He played in a different NFL than John Elway or Dan Marino. I think John Elway at one point had like a 50% completion percentage. John Elway was, in today's NFL, John Elway's not the same quarterback. But it was a different league. So again, my argument, the reason why Carson Palmer is not a Hall of Fame quarterback, didn't win a Super Bowl, and he didn't do anything else memorable or remarkable. He's, he's a great quarterback. He's not left his mark on the league. When you, we look back on the NFL in 20 years... Nobody's going to remember Carson Palmer and nobody is going to talk about Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer is not a Hall of Fame quarterback. I have one more story left. I think it's interesting. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. This is my last story of the day. It's a more regional story. It's now to, if you're not in Ohio or Minnesota or Washington, uh, you probably care a lot less, but I'm going to make it interesting. Hang in there. This story has redemption, has controversy. There's a lot of parts to it, and I'm not going to pick a side. I'm going to tell you what happened. I'm going to lay out the facts, and I'm going to leave it to you guys because I don't want to. It's, it's I don't know. I, I just, I'm not going to form an opinion on this one. I'm just going to tell you what happened. Very similar like a news story. So Washington State's off defensive coordinator, Washington State University's football team, their defensive coordinator left. Alex Grinch left to go to Ohio State to be an assistant coach or basically the co-defensive coordinator. So to replace him, Mike Leach hired Tracy Clays. His replacement was is the former Minnesota head coach, Minnesota football coach. And this is why it's a redemption story. Tracy Clays was fired by Minnesota after winning nine games, which has only happened, I think, twice in the history of Minnesota. Like, Minnesota's been the Browns of college football. And Tracy, uh, Tracy Clays got Minnesota to a bowl game. In fact, he beat Washington State. The ferry team he coaches for now, Tracy Clays, beat Washington State in the Holiday Bowl two years ago. And, like, immediately after losing the Holiday Bowl, and literally, like, five days later, Tracy Clays was fired by the new athletic director in Minnesota. And a big reason, this is where controversy comes into the story. The reason why Tracy Clays was fired was because 10 Minnesota football players were suspended because of an alleged sexual assault on campus. Now, the administration for Minnesota was like pretty uh, 
took a strong stance, appeared to take a strong stance against the players. Now, Tracy Clays on Twitter supported his players. Tracy Clays supported his players, uh, his 10 players who were suspended because of an alleged sexual assault on campus. I think it's interesting. I think Tracy Clays is a good coach. I'm going to leave the morality of that all up to you. But I know this. As far as football is concerned, when it comes to simply football, Tracy Clays was fired before his time in Minnesota. I believe that. And I think Mike Leach, the head coach for Washington State, respects Tracy Clays. You know, as far as football goes, this is a good hire. I'm going to leave it to you. The morality of it, I don't know. I don't know if it's interesting to you. I think it's interesting. You know, you have the guy fired. The guy, the, the same team he beat two years ago in a bowl game. And then immediately got fired after beating that team he now coaches for. And then there's a the sexual assault part. I, I don't know. I don't know right from wrong. I know that Mike Leach has three rules. He's very, he's, I mean, he's suspended. They're two best wide receivers. He, he, they left the team this year, this offseason. So I, I think it's interesting. Mike Leach is a, a stickler for rules. He's not going to have any problem uh, dealing with players under Mike Leach. And, and I'm glad Tracy Clays doesn't have to make any of those decisions now. He's a defensive coordinator. He can deal with football. Mike Leach can deal with personnel. I, I like it. I, I Personally, I wasn't going to take a stance. I like the hire. I think it's a good hire. If you're a Washington State fan, Washington State football just got better because I hired Tracy Clays to be their defensive coordinator. Is it, more, is it moral? I don't know. I'm going to leave it to you guys. Um, I know we got fired by Minnesota. Uh, but he definitely has a lot of good football left in him. And if we're just talking about football, Tracy Clays is an improvement for the Washington State football team. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. This is, I, I, love, I love doing this show. It's really my favorite thing in the entire world. I love it so much. I'm really grateful for your support. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast I don't know why I do a square every time. I do that every time. You can find the full hour-long podcast on YouTube. You can also find my best, most interesting clips, my four or five-minute segments, uh, and I break out my highlights of the show. Share this with your friends. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on SoundCloud, if you're listening on iTunes, there's a link. There's always a URL at the top. Share this with your friends on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, whatever it is. I'm coming to Spotify very soon. It's about to be also on Google Play. I don't know who in the world uses Google Play, but if you want it, it'll be there. Spotify is what people keep asking for. I'm going to get them there. It's a long process, but it's coming. Share Strong Opinion Sports with your friends. My name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic day, everybody. My name is Zach Schaumler again, and have a great day, everybody.